Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 296. Perhaps you're going through some great family vacation ideas and the notion of bringing your family, friends, or both on a cruise so that everybody can enjoy one giant vacation together sounds like a fantastic idea. Certainly, cruising with friends is a mantra that I've repeated quite a few times here on this podcast, but With a great vacation comes great trip planning responsibilities. And this week, I wanted to talk about how to best plan a group sailing, as one of our podcast listeners did just that. We have some tips and tricks to share with you on this episode. Here we go. Inevitably, when you're planning a cruise vacation, I think at some point, everyone starts thinking, you know, this is a great idea. Love the idea of going on a cruise, but maybe it'd be great if we brought my friends on board, or my siblings, or my parents, or your parents, or their parents, or that guy you went to college with one time. Like, inevitably, you want to bring your friends and family with you on a cruise. Sounds like a great idea. And it can be, but there's some nuances, let's put it that way, of planning a group cruise, especially when your group grows beyond maybe just two or three couples. And on today's episode, we want to tackle the subject of planning a group sailing And it's actually, this idea is not my idea, came from one of you guys, actually, one of our podcast listeners, and actually joining me on today's episode is is Rebecca Winneberger from Baltimore, Maryland. Rebecca, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. Absolutely. And you sent me an email, and you were kind of, tell us a little bit, tell our audience about uh, how you got around to booking a, or planning, I should say, a Royal Caribbean cruise that was turned into kind of a group cruise. So my husband and I had cruised many times, just the two of us, or maybe the two of us and the kids, you know, nothing all that exciting. This was actually all before we were married. And uh, we decided when we got engaged and we were going to get married, we were looking at options. We looked at getting married on land. We looked at getting married over in the islands. And just out of on a whim, my husband went, hey, you should look at getting married on the boat. What would it be? What would it cost? It can't be that much more than getting married on land. Well, it turned out that we could get married in port in Fort Lauderdale before the ship left. We could invite a whole bunch of people, and those that wanted to sail with us for the week could come with us, and those that didn't could get back off after they came to the wedding. So we decided that was the route we were going to go. The thing that was kind of crazy for me was I'd never done it before. I ain't mm-hmm. never been married before, and I'd never planned a group cruise before. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of a crash course, to say the least. Yeah, I know and in it, your email to me, Rebecca, you mentioned that um, the the whole concept was a little, and I'm quoting you here, a little overwhelming. And I'm not surprised to hear that, because I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, what your experience was like, it seems like it's an easy enough idea. You know, when you go to the restaurant, you know, and you call up, hey, we're going to be at, you know, at... Chili's at 4 p.m., you know, come join us there. That's pretty straightforward. But with cruising, there's a lot more that goes into planning, especially the larger the group. Oh, definitely, definitely. Well, first of all, we had who was going to go with us. You know, we invited all these people to the wedding. We knew not everybody would go. But we also knew we wanted to be able to accommodate multiple people and of different types. We had mm-hmm. first-time cruisers, seasoned cruisers. My youngest stepdaughter at the time was 14. My aunt was 80. We had people who'd cruised before many times and people who'd never been on board. And it was like, whoa, how do I accommodate all these people and all their budgets? Right, exactly. Um, 
So where where did you start? Or looking back on it, let's put it that way, because maybe where you started wasn't the best place necessarily. <laughs> but let's start out with some tips here, some things that people uh, mentioned. And I think you talked in your email. I'm, I'm going through some of the things you mentioned in your email to, to me. And I think probably my number one tip, and I think you mentioned in your in your email as well, was using a travel agent, leveraging them to really be the go-to with uh, your friends and family that are going there because it's fun to talk about like and plan the fun things, right? The events like we're going to go do the shore excursion or we're going to go, you know, check out this restaurant. But, you know, repricing Uncle Bob's balcony room for the seventh time kind of gets tedious after a while, especially when they're bugging you about those kind of little small details. Oh, God, yes. And I, I love my travel agent. She has been amazing. And I will I use her every time for every personal, just the, my husband and I and every group cruise, because it takes all that stress away. She, mm. she can find rooms of different categories. If they're not originally in the group, she can find a room that meets the needs of whomever it is and then move it into the group. And I don't have to worry about that part of it. Plus, she constantly monitors for sales and discounts and kids sale free and all those other things that. I have another job. I actually have an actual job I have to do during the day. You know, it's a bummer. I, I'm not a travel agent yet. I don't spend my day planning other people's cruises. Well, not for money. So, yeah, yeah it's great to have that other person to do some of that work for you. Absolutely. If, if you learn nothing else from this episode, if you were to stop right now, how dare you? I would tell you, make sure you listen to use this tip. Use a travel agent. You should use, I always recommend that in general. But with a group, you definitely want to do that. That way, when Uncle Bob does email you and say, hey, I want to join you on the sailing, you're like, that's wonderful, Uncle Bob. Here's my travel agent's information. Contact them for the booking, and then we'll plan, like, the pub crawl or something that's, you know, a lot more interesting to do uh, once on board. So that's a great tip, Rebecca, uh, number one. What's another uh, kind of tidbit or tip that you learned from your experience? I think the biggest thing I – well, there are two. One was don't feel like you have to plan everybody's day. This is their vacation, and I've learned over time, when we had that first cruise when we got married, I, my husband will tell you, I sat there and I went, oh my God, I got to make sure this person has a good time, and this person has a good time, and th-. that's not really what it's, what it's about. It's just about setting the framework, really, and letting them pick and choose what they want to do. Like I said, we had people who had cruised three, four times prior on Royal and other lines, and we had people who had never been on a cruise, and as the week went on, I came to realize I got to do what I wanted to do, but everybody else naturally did what they wanted to do. We had some really good friends who it was their very first cruise. They, they literally ran past us from event to event while we sat on the pool deck with fruity Mm -hmm. drinks and watched them. It was great. But I realized I didn't have to entertain them because they did it themselves. I think that's a great point. It's also an inherent benefit of going on a cruise versus if you guys are going to a destination where it is more behooven on you. I don't think behooven is a word, um, but I'm going to I'm going to say it is. Um, it falls on your shoulders to to be kind of the entertainment director uh, in that regard. And that's what's really nice about the cruise. But I did want to actually ask you because you kind of alluded to that. What was the makeup of your group? How, were there a lot of first timers? Were there people with some experience? Or are they all Royal Caribbean blog listeners? I mean, where did it fall in the grand scheme of um, of their experience in cruising? Like I said, it was about 50-50, I'd say. We had about half first-timers, half seasoned cruisers. Um, like I said, age range, 14 to 80. Uh, some people who really wanted to do things all over the board, and some people who just wanted to do what we did and sit on the pool deck and chill out. But it was great because it could meet 
everybody's needs. It gave everybody the vacation they wanted. And that was the best part about it. And I think on top of that, you might also want to take another step when people are considering booking the cruise and tell them, you know, we while we're going to spend a lot of time together, we're not going to spend every waking minute. I think some people are, are genuinely concerned about that because it's one thing if it's like, you know, your folks or your siblings, whom which that's kind of almost natural in some cases. But some people maybe just want to come and join you for a little bit of it, but they don't want to feel like they're going to be just like like they feel obligated to be spending every waking minute with you. And I feel like if you're going to be planning that and you want to get people on board, let them know, you know, while we're going to be doing some things together, there is a lot of opportunity to do whatever you want to do. And I feel like that kind of maybe gets some some people who are maybe on the fence to join you for the sailing, uh, because in, in on a land vacation, that's very much the case that you're going to be spending a lot of like every I don't want to say every waking minute, but it's kind of the nature of it. Whereas on a cruise, you may not see them all that much, if at all, you know. Oh, definitely. Yeah, we we had people who we didn't see all day long and people who we saw 500 times a day. It's kind of like the people you meet on a cruise. You walk around and you seem to see the same faces over and over. (laughs) And then there's other people you never see again. But at the same point, what we, the one thing we do, and one of the things we kind of set as just a habit, so to speak, when we did our first cruise and ever, I've booked a cruise every other year, starting in 2012. Our next one is coming up in, we're going to Alaska next year, um, is we always try and have dinner together each night. And or if we don't all meet in the main dining room for dinner and we do specialty dining and we split up or we do whatever, we always find a place to meet on board. We, you know, we generally, we, we've done a lot of Oasis class cruises. Um, we, my husband and I got married on the Allure. So usually it's the pub on the Royal Promenade. It's just a good central place Middle of the ship, easy for everybody to get to, easy if you're getting off. And that's also the place where in the evening we go there and we start and we sit, you know, after we all have our dinners, we come back and we sit down and everybody grabs a drink and we talk about our day. Even if we had all spent the day together, which sometimes we do, we still talk about our day and how what we enjoyed, what we didn't, what we loved, what we want to do tomorrow, all that stuff. That's a great tip. I, I could not agree more with that. Uh, certainly, if, like you said, either dinner together uh, or, and or meeting for drinks before or after, just having at least some common time every day to meet up, talk about your day. So that way, if you are, if you haven't seen them a lot or at all, it's a good chance to catch up, talk about what's coming up tomorrow, things like that. And if you have been hanging out, well, well, you can continue the conversation. It's even better. I also liked your tip, Rebecca about uh, what to do the night before the cruise, taking advantage of something I always talk about, which is getting to the port at least one day ahead of time. But I loved your little tip there for uh, picking a hotel the night before. Oh, yeah. We we always pick a hotel that's reasonably close to the port, maybe not the closest, but nearby. And I try and get a group rate. And I try and go ahead and uh, bring everybody together because it, it's kind of the kickoff. It's the fun, hey, we're getting ready to get on this boat. Let's enjoy our first real night of vacation, even if we're not on the boat. And we always have a blast. And then the next morning we get up, and I generally try and coordinate. You don't have to do this, but I'm a planner, so I generally coordinate some form of transportation, whether it's this last cruise we did this past uh, October, or November on the Harmony, we Ubered. Prior to that, we'd always used a, a transportation service. But then we all meet down in the lobby, and away we go to the boat the next morning. That's a great tip, and negotiating that kind of a rate. I think you mentioned your travel agent also assisted you with that as well? Sometimes. Um, it depends. Uh, she definitely can. Sometimes I go directly to the hotel. It just sure. depends on the situation and where we're cruising out of. 
Absolutely. And I think this this is a really important tip that you also included. This is actually for you at I'm talking you, global you, the royal you as the uh, as the group coordinator, whoever's like, you know, leading basically whoever, if you're listening to this podcast, that's you. And that is you wrote and I'm going to quote you verbatim here. I always let the group know what I planned and love it when they join us. But I don't mind if they do their own thing. I think as the group coordinator, you have to have a very thick skin with that and not take it personally if someone's would rather go, you know, see a show or sleep in or go to the, you know, to the sexiest man competition instead of maybe going to your photo swap or I don't know, whatever you're doing as a family. I think that's a really important tip. Oh, definitely. I've learned over time that especially I use it heavily in ports. We've, we've done so many cruises and there's so many options in every port. You can, you know, we did a, we did a cruise a few years ago in Europe and, you know, we got, we got on board in Rome and the first day we were in, uh, we, we ended up going to Pompeii, but we had the options of Pompeii. We had the Isle of Capri. We had um, Sorrento. We had all these places where we could go. And I put a list out there, and everybody was like, I got feedback, but I realized all the people, at least when I cruise with my friends and family, generally the things I like to do, a lot of them like to do. So I plan the vacation I want to take, and I kind of bring them with me. I give them, that, I give them my idea. I give them other ideas. And then from there, we kind of make it work. And that's one of the other things I think, Matt, is the, probably the other big thing I learned is I don't limit myself, per se, to planning my excursions through Royal. I look at outside uh, mm-hmm. tr- tour planners. And it's been great because a lot of times, you know, even with only we've, – we've had groups as big as 20 when we got married all the way down to six when we went to Europe. But a lot of times I – picked and chose the ones I wanted to do through the cruise line versus the ones I wanted to do as a quote-unquote private excursion. And sometimes they both have their benefits. When we got married, we did a cruise line-based excursion in Jamaica and had a blast. And in in Europe, we did a private excursion, just the six of us, private van, private tour guide, and we had a blast. That's a really great tip. And you're not limiting yourself to either just Royal Caribbean excursions or just third parties, considering both options and picking the one that works best for you. I think it's a really good idea. I did want to ask you, Rebecca, speaking of bookings and groups and things you're doing, when it comes to cruises, there's a lot of opportunity to go do shore excursions together, to go to especially dining together, to you know maybe doing the escape room or certain activities together. How do you manage the the finances, the booking of it, because obviously a lot of these things have a built-in cost. What is, is your is your method to just suck it up and then everyone pay you back? Do you give them the – what's, what's your strategy for uh, managing that? Because that could be a major hurdle for a lot of folks who are trying to do a group cruise. Oh, definitely. And it, it really, again, depends on the situation. So if it's an onboard activity, I generally – a lot of times I'll just create a Facebook group and I will put the people that are going with us on it. And I'll put the information there. It's one easy-to-get-to location where people can find out. And then if it's an onboard activity, I let them book it themselves. You know, hey, we're going to go do the escape room, and everybody, this is the time we're looking at, and everybody books it, and we go do it. Or we're going to do, um, you know, this show at this time, and everybody books it. And on the flip sure. side, if it's a tour, and especially if it's a private tour, a lot of it will depend on the actual tour company and what they require. So we actually are doing Alaska two years in a row. We're going with a separate group this year in July. And I just booked a tour for Skagway where they needed half of the total amount of the tour as a deposit ahead of time. So I went ahead and paid it and people are going to pay me back. 
On the flip side, last year we did a walking food tour of San Juan when we were on the Harmony. And that was one where we could just pay once we got there. Um, everybody gave me the money. I was just the collector. You know, I because I made the plan, I got, got any tickets for anything we needed, collected the money, and then I dispersed it from there. But it was it, – so it really – I kind of let it go and let it flow based on the specific item or event that we're planning. That's a good point. Uh, and, and that's really good information as well. And it probably bears warning that, you know, we love our family, we love our friends, but when it comes to money, you've also got to be a little vigilant about it and understand that. I mean, what you're doing, Rebecca, is exactly what I would do, which is just, it is a whole lot simpler to trust, put trust in your friends and family and put lay some money out in some cases with the notion they are going to pay you back. But you should also be aware of the possibility that some people are, you know, that it's not, I don't know how to say it gently, but sometimes some people can be kind of jerks about that and it's can be kind of a hassle. So be aware of it. Make sure you're not putting yourself out there too much. It's one thing to put out a hundred bucks for a deposit. It's another thing when you're laying out thousands of dollars in a deposit that you may not see again because somebody, you know, skips out on for whatever reason. There's a lot of you know reasons that are out there, but uh, you know, Make make sensible decisions and be you know make sure you're not overextending yourself when you're going that way because that's a I think a common mistake or pitfall some people may fall into. Oh, definitely, and I will tell you I've gotten exceptionally lucky that we generally even though we have a different group every time we cruise the, there's some core members of the group that generally go every time, and obviously they've be, they're very dependable. But but everybody for me that I've cruised with has been dependable. But at the Good. same time. When I book a when I book a group where we have to pay day of, like I said, all I'm doing is collecting the money. And if you're going to get on the bus and go with us to Lamanai in Belize, I'm gonna be, get your money before you get on that bus. <laughs> it's 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 my name that's being that's being put up as the group coordinator. Absolutely. Now let me ask you: when you've done the larger groups, you mentioned doing about twenty or so. How have you managed the booking process with Royal Caribbean as it pertains to the rooms? Have you actually I know your travel agent obviously is doing the heavy lifting here, but have you gone to the point of actually creating a group with Royal Caribbean or have you kept it kind of just independent because people are booking kind of all over the place? Generally, I have my travel agent get a group booking and ahead of time she figures out, we talk about the types of rooms we want, junior suites, interiors, you know, balconies, whatever, and she gets a subset of those and pulls them into the group. Then we allow, you know, if somebody, if, you know, my cousin comes along and he wants to book a different type of room. They book it and then she's able to pull it into the group separately. It's not inherently part of the group to begin with, but yeah, I totally let her set the group and then people book into it. The nice thing about it is when you set that group, it sets the price for that group or for that room really. So it doesn't adjust and they can hold it. I believe it's up to 120 days. They can hold group reservations before they have to let them go. So if we actually, I just over the weekend started planning my next one. I always have one or two in in the works. And my husband and I decided that we are taking our family, my stepkids, their significant others, our grandkids on a cruise. And uh, to do that, I asked my travel agent to pull together a collection of some interior rooms, some balconies, some uh, junior suites, a little bit of everything, hold them, and then... You know, we're going to we're going to invite other people too. obviously, it's not going to be just us, but we're going to, you know, let them bring in whoever they want and book whatever they want and then just pull them into the room. I mean, into the group. Right. 
And you know what we're talking, Rebecca and I are talking about. Uh, by the way, Rebecca's 100 percent right about everything she said over there. Uh, it's been very, very similar to my experience as well with organizing groups. Uh, you should know that if you have, and again, the, what I'm about to say are sometimes generalizations, and they can change depending on some certain certain circumstances. So just keep all this in mind. But uh, if you do have a certain, at least a certain amount of rooms, usually the magic number is eight. You can create in Royal Caribbean's eyes a group, and there are some inherent benefits to it. Uh, there are while. Rebecca said there are, you can lock in prices, which is really helpful, especially if you book a cruise way far in advance, and then the prices go up later on. If you still have rooms in the group, you, they're locked in at the old price, so it can supersede even what pricing you're seeing on the current Royal Caribbean website, which is really nice. Um, there are some other things you should know, which is that when you're creating a group, the deposit amounts are a little bit can be different than what you may find if you're booking a room on your own outside of a group. Um, and as Rebecca mentioned, there are certain, when you create a group, you can pull in certain times of room types, but it is not to say that if someone wants to book the Royal suite and it's not in your group already, you can't bring that in. It's just, again, that's why you have the travel agent. It's more work for them. But meanwhile, you get to enjoy the benefits of it. And of course, at the end of the day, when the cruise goes off and, and you're actually on there, yes, there is some opportunity as the tour leader. Um, I believe it's the tour conductor is the official term for it. There are potential opportunities for you as a tour conductor, uh, in this case we'll use Rebecca as the example, uh, to potentially earn some money back or some discounts or things to spend on board the ship for everyone in the group. And again, this is there's, I don't want to go down the, the rabbit hole of all the possibilities here, but again, your travel agent should be keying you in on some of the benefits of doing that, uh, being able to take advantage of that. And there, you can either take that money to apply towards your own room, you can apply it back towards the group, you can use it for other... There's a variety of things, but... Um, when we're the, the important thing to remember is if you're doing a group, if you're booking a group, organizing it, um, there are some there are some benefits and some you know I think the deposit thing is probably the biggest issue with uh, if you if you do go that down that route. But something you should have conversation with your travel agent because it can, especially with the larger groups, it can really benefit your whole group um, going forward. Oh yeah, and I, I've I've done both. To your point, Matt, I've taken that those benefits and used them for my husband and I, and I've also taken them and split them and shared them across the group. It just kind of, it's up to you. That's the nice thing about being the planner of the group is it's kind of your decision at that point. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. And, you know, group sailings are a lot of fun. Uh, I know that uh, Rebecca, you mentioned you've done some before and I have as well. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where there's probably at one point you think to yourself, well, what was I thinking? And then you get on board the ship and it's all worth it every single time. Because all that work you put in, and especially all the work the travel agent puts in, you know, it kind of comes together, and you have a great time on there. And Rebecca's already mentioning she's planning her next one, so clearly the proof is in the pudding here with uh, enjoying that whole thing. And I, Rebecca, I really appreciate you coming on here to talk about your experiences and and share uh, your cruise uh, your your cruise knowledge, especially group cruise knowledge. Oh, glad to help, Matt. I'm I'm always willing to I'm always willing to talk cruises with anybody, and I'm always willing to get more people to come join us. So. The more the merrier. Before I let you go, Rebecca, um, since it is your first time on the podcast, we want to get to know you a little bit better. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions about how you like to cruise on Royal Caribbean. So just say the first thing that comes to your head. All right? Sounds good. All right. uh, According to your email, your last cruise or the cruise you're about to go on is Independence of the Seas. Is that right? Yep. My husband and I are going on Independence of the Seas at the end of April for his birthday and also to move us to Diamond, so uh, we're excited. What was what was the last cruise you just did? Well, we the, just did Harmony back in November, uh, the eight-day Eastern Caribbean where she switched 
from a Saturday sailing to a Sunday sailing. So we got the extra day on board, and it was awesome. Nice. So here's my first, even though I asked you already the three questions, here's my first real question for you, <laughs> which is, uh, what is your best tip for someone going on Harmony of the Seas for the first time? I think the thing I would say about Harmony, and we had some first-time cruisers with us, is don't feel like you have to do everything, but try things. You know, don't be afraid to go out and go down the water slide or check out something new, but don't feel be afraid that you're going to miss something because you didn't do it all. It's a big ship. You can't do it all in and necessarily get it all in in one week. So pick and choose, but enjoy yourself and don't be afraid to try something new. Great. Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship? Oh, this is a tough one. I kind of have a toss up and I think it depends on the ship. I think if there's an Izumi Hibachi, it's Izumi Hibachi. But when there isn't, it's got to be Chops. Great choices. What is your preferred drink while on a Royal Caribbean cruise? Uh, my husband and I are wine drinkers, so we tend to head to vintages and find something new and exciting that we haven't tried in vintages usually. Do you like the? Are you a, are you a red or are you a white person? Typically, uh, I'm a dry red girl. Yeah, there you go. Malbecs. Uh, Malbecs, some cabs, some zins. Depends on my mood. I, I drink whites as well, but I tend towards reds more often. That's, okay. Favorite port of call to visit. So I always used to say Grand Cayman, and then last October, my husband and I went to Bermuda and had an amazing time. So I would say they're probably one and two or one and one is Bermuda and Grand Cayman for me. At the This is in addition to the questions I was planning on asking you, but since this is self-serving, I have no problem asking you this. What was your, uh, give me your, what was your favorite thing in Bermuda that you did? Because I'm going to Bermuda later this summer and uh, love any, any and all tips. So we booked a private tour because we were there overnight. On I won't. We, we we ventured into a different cruise line when we did this. Uh, what? We came back. We came back. We came back. But um, <laughs> we booked a pub crawl tour of the island. After six p.m., Bermuda kind of shuts down. There's not a whole lot going on. So we found this tour, and it was a pub crawl. You got on a bus with what what's normally eight to twenty of your newest, soon to be best friends, and you go from Location to location to location. The only thing that was different for us is the other people that were supposed to be on our bus never showed up. So it was my husband and I and the bus driver. And we made it to <laughs> two bars. So if you can call a pub crawl two bars. But we had the most amazing time because we hung out with the locals. And we had awesome. so much fun. It was probably one of my top two tours I'd ever done. Awesome. What's your Lastly, what's your favorite song that you're listening to today? I am a beach girl, and it's Saltwater Gospel by the Eli Young Band. I not only have I not heard that, I don't think I've even like I haven't heard of it or it or the song itself. I have to check that one out on uh, on YouTube. Awesome. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us here. Really appreciate you sharing your information, and can't wait to hear from you again soon. Sounds good. We'll talk to you soon, Matt. ready to answer some Royal Caribbean emails. I am, I am, I am. Okay, let's do this. I don't know why I decided to go that route, but here we are. Anyway, uh, you can always send me your emails by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. That's matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email is from Kristen Schultz. Hi, Matt. Thanks so much for your awesome podcast and all the live streams on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I've really learned so much. I wanted to give a little advice to your listeners, if you don't mind. 
I got an email from Royal Caribbean to bid on three different categories of rooms as part of the Royal Up program. We were originally booked in an inside room on Anthem of the Season was offered upgrade to a porthole room for a minimum bid of $60 per person, an obstructed view for $100 per person, and $180 per person for a regular balcony. I felt these numbers seemed a little high, so I emailed our travel agent to see what it would cost to upgrade to these rooms outright. She got back to me and said it would only be $4 for us to upgrade to an obstructed balcony and $60 for a regular balcony with $25 additional onboard credit. Obviously, we jumped on it. I just want to make sure that everyone knows that though they're getting the email to bid upgrade program, sometimes it's better to just upgrade on your own. I know it won't work for everyone, but ours is a spring break cruise. I felt it was a pretty popular time to cruise, and it was well worth the email or phone call to your travel agent. Thanks for all you do. Well, Kristen and Jason, thank you for the email. really appreciate that. And I got to tell you, I think your approach is exactly what I recommend for everybody. I know a lot of folks are really interested in this Royal Up program, which allows people to bid on a stateroom upgrade. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Number one, it's sort of misleading because it doesn't, just because you get the email doesn't actually mean there's an upgrade opportunity. And number two, what Kristen and Jason just said is really important. If you want to upgrade, call your travel agent, email your travel agent, text your travel agent, however you want to do it, and let them know, get a quote for it because it's the most straightforward, easiest way to actually get that upgrade. I think all too often people, you know, they see the email, they get, they, they fall in love with the idea and they get really frustrated with it not happening or just the lack of information until Royal Grammy decides whether or not there is actually an upgrade availability uh, for that sailing. So again, uh, definitely, if you want to upgrade, do that. There's nothing wrong with doing the rail up in the sense of like it's almost like a game, like you know, playing the lottery, right? You don't go to the lottery and then quit your job immediately thereafter because you know you're going to win the lottery. No, if it if it works out, it works out. Then you'll quit your job. By the same token, if you get the upgrade, well, then you can celebrate. But don't assume that just because you did it, it's you know definitely going to happen. Uh, next, we have an email from uh, Stephanie. Who writes, I've started binge listening to your podcast, and we're going on Symphony of the Seas June 1st through 8th. My husband and I have never been on a cruise together, but we've cruised together uh, 20 years ago. So much has changed. The kids, obviously, have never cruised, so we're pretty excited. We're going to be stopping in Labadee, St. Martin, and San Juan. My biz- biggest concern is the excursions and what is safe, best, and fun for the family. My husband and I will be traveling with our four kids who are 14, 14, 12, and 3. My concern is with the three-year-old, since he's still in a car seat. I'm guessing that we won't, be, we won't bring it as we're flying to Fort Lauderdale and shelling to the port. However, I am concerned about traveling anywhere at the ports. For Labadee, I thought we would probably just spend the day at the beach. San Juan, can we just access a lot from the port, or will we need to rent a car service or shuttle to see much? And St. Martin, I remember you mentioning a driver uh, who could take you around the island. Um, and if so, does he have a vehicle to accommodate a family of six? Is the island very large? How does it work for driving for a day? I guess I just don't have a grasp for how we'd be driving and if there's traffic on the island like that. Any suggestions you would have as far as activities, drivers, car service shuttles for these reports for family would be much appreciated. Stephanie, thank you for the email. Number one, Labadee, there's nothing to book. It's it's Royal Caribbean's private destination. You'll the ship will dock at the pier, you walk off the pier, and you literally run right into the beach over there. It's nothing to book, no transportation required, just your feet. Bring your feet, you're good to go. In terms of San Juan, San Juan is really easy as well because you dock, your ship docks right in old San Juan. So you walk off the ship and you can immediately start going around there. I would probably point out for the three-year-old, the only issue you may have actually is a stroller need. I always fight with my wife about this because I'm of the opinion I don't want to bring the stroller just in general. Even though it may serve practical purposes later in the cruise, just from a uh, you know junk standpoint, I don't want to bring any more junk on the cruise. We always pack enough stuff anyway and the stroller is like one more thing. So I'm just like, no, 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 no we don't need to bring it. Let's just keep it as, you know, slimmed down as possible in terms of the stuff we're bringing. But 
in a city in which there's a lot of walking required, in like an old San Juan, that can be an asset to have the stroller. Keep in mind that some of the, I mean, some of the streets and sidewalks are like you know hundreds of years old, so it's not the most uh, smoothest walking area. But I wouldn't be shocked if your three-year-old uh, couldn't really keep up, especially if you're going during a warm month of the year, which you are in June, so it's going to be hot, probably going to be humid. Uh, a stroller might not be a bad idea, even though I it would probably put my wife still on the idea, but. That's the only issue there. But again, you can walk all over Old San Juan. You don't need to do an excursion. You don't need to have a car service or anything like that. It's very easy to do so. I think you'll find that very... As long as you don't want to leave Old San Juan. If you want to go do something elsewhere in Puerto Rico, that's a different issue. But I'll leave that there. And your last question is St. Martin. In St. Martin, renting a car uh, is a is a really cool idea. Or renting a, having a car driver for the day, I should say, not renting a car. Uh, driver for the day is a really cool idea. I do that a lot of times because St. Martin is not a very large island. Most of the Caribbean islands are not very large, but it just takes time to get from point A to point B. Uh, number two, I don't want to drive on the wrong side of the road, you know, relative to the United States. Number three, I'd probably be drinking a little bit. So obviously drinking and driving, not a great idea. And number four, I'm on vacation. I'll let someone else do it. So from that standpoint, um, you know, I, I tend not to do that. Now, I did email you already the phone number I have for Leo Brown. Uh, who is the driver in St. Martin that I've used? He can definitely accommodate a family of six. He's got a, he's got a, at least access to. He has a large van. I think access to other vehicles as well. I'm not quite certain, but anyway, I'm sure he can uh, help you out with that. Basically, when it comes to drivers for a day, whether you're using Leo or anyone, the the key of people always have these kind of questions about you know how does it work and all that stuff. My suggestion is you either go in with a plan, like we want to go to visit point A, point B, point C, point D, or you can kind of go in really no plans, but just let the driver know. Say, look, this is what we're trying to do. I remember in a lot of cases, and I think this is the first time when I ever used Leo Brown and say Martin, I was like, we want to go have, we want to go do something. We don't know what there is to do here. We want to do something. We want to have a lunch somewhere and then get back to the ship by this time. So whatever you think is cool and a good idea. In fact, I discovered the one of the beaches there in St. Martin the, that was great for kids, which is um, Legallion Beach, L-E-G-A-L-I-O-N, Legallion. Uh, I discovered that because of a recommendation from one of the drivers. I think it might have, it might have actually been Leo at the time. But anyway, the, those kind of things, you know, they can they, they don't like the back of their hand, and they can certainly help you out with that kind of thing. So um, it's okay to be vague, but convey the general idea. And sometimes you may not have an idea. Maybe it's your first time there. You have no idea what's going on. You know, surprise us. Think of somewhere you think is cool or fun or beautiful and, you know, work with them. But obviously, you have to be okay with the if they bring you somewhere that's not exactly your favorite, then that's nice to have a driver for a day. If they bring you somewhere and you're like, hey, this is nice, but I really don't want to spend more than about 20 minutes here, tell the driver, okay, we think we're done. Let's go somewhere else. And again, they should be working with you to be able to provide some ideas if you don't have them already spelled out for yourself. So it's okay to have a little bit of vagueness or a lot, just, you know, Go with the flow in a lot of those situations. So, Stephanie, thank you so much for the email. Let's move on to our next email. It is from Steve from Lodi, California. Quick question. I'm guessing there are extra restrooms on each deck beyond what's in your room. Booked on Freedom of the Seas, first-timer, blog subscriber, love your podcast. Steve, thanks for the email. And yeah, dude, there's a lot of complimentary, or they're all complimentary, I suppose. There's a lot of extra public, that's the word. I don't know where I get complimentary from. Public restrooms for you to enjoy or take advantage of. I mean, after all, you're sharing a room with your family. Inevitably, someone's going to be in there. Inevitably, you'll be somewhere else on the ship. Most decks have a public restroom. Some decks don't. If it's, if it's like a deck that has nothing, has no public space, it's just staterooms, I, they usually don't. But because there's so many things happening on, on the ships and, you know, a lot of the decks share both staterooms with public venues, there's going to be restrooms available to use nearby. So on Freedom of the Seas, 
you know, obviously on the promenade deck, Royal Promenade deck, I should say, there'll be restrooms on both ends. There's gonna be restrooms by the theater. There's gonna be restrooms by the casino. There's gonna be restrooms by the by any dining venues you're gonna be going to. There's no shortage of them by the pool deck. You don't have to go very far in order to find one. So again, if you're looking to get a spare restroom to be able to use beyond what's in your stateroom, depending on which deck you're on, you may need to go up a deck or two. Uh, sometimes if you're on a deck, you know, that's, you might get lucky. Maybe there's like a, you know, a restaurant or something like that on your same deck, then you're good to go. But there are plenty of them. I don't think you'll have to really struggle to, to you know, go find that. So the answer to your question, Steve, is absolutely need not worry about that situation. And if you're ever, in, if you're ever not sure where the nearest restroom is, talk to a state, uh, to a, uh, I say state room attendant, but also to any crew member you see on board, they'll be able to key you in there. And a lot of cases, a lot closer than you think. A lot of people are actually surprised. In fact, I am surprised. Sometimes I don't even know because there's some, sometimes they have little restrooms that can only accommodate one or two people, but they're kind of hidden away. So next we have an email from Keith from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. My family is going to book a Royal Green cruise in the next couple of months, but I'm unsure about the fitness center programs. Many times equipment varies from gym to gym. Does it vary on Royal Caribbean? I know we can watch videos of a ship tour, but is there any way to contact the staff by email to have a better understanding of what they offer? It does seem that many times the gyms and spas are operated by an outside company with Royal Caribbean, but I'm not really sure. Keith, you are correct about a lot of your assumptions. Uh, the fitness center and the spa are operated by uh, Steiner Leisure Group, I believe. I know they're called Steiner. I don't know Leisure something or other. Um, so it is third party. And you are right that in a lot of cases, what's available to guests may vary from ship to ship, mostly cruise uh what's it called category of cruise ship to category so you know voyage class versus oasis class versus you know radiance class whatnot but here's some basics the fitness center is complimentary in in most of what it offers and but the complimentary offerings will there'll be treadmill machines there'll be you know uh, ellipticals there'll be free weights there'll be weight machines those things are complimentary in addition to that there will be fitness classes offered the exact offerings may vary from ship to ship but they'll be spit. Sometimes I've seen spin classes. I've seen Pilates. I've seen uh, uh, general like boot camp type uh, training sessions. Uh, there's there's a variety of them. I'm not aware of an email you can really send to get a definitive answer. I think actually, Keith, your suggestion, your idea of going to YouTube is at least a starting point. You might also go on Facebook, Keith and search for your ship name and find a Facebook group for that. Maybe you'll find someone who is about to go on there or has been on there or some photos of the fitness center offerings uh, because it, it can change. But generally speaking, it's pretty standard. And a lot of times, I know you mentioned your email, the equipment. And like I said, you'll find definitely free weights. You'll find you know bench presses. You'll find weight machines You know for legs and arms and other things people do in the gym, uh, treadmills, elliptical machines, bikes. Those are pretty standard. In fact, I think in general, Royal Caribbean's fitness centers are fairly well regarded. I think a lot of people that I've ever talked to who have noticed it uh, usually are pretty happy with what they offer. And again, the fitness classes do have, some of them do have an additional charge. Some do not, most have an additional charge, like spin class. I think, uh, depending on the ship, again, it was somewhere in the ballpark of anywhere from 15 to $25 per class. Uh, and obviously it depends on the ship and whatever specials they're running and whatnot. But there are sometimes some complimentary fitness classes. I think like stretch class is usually complimentary. I could be wrong on this. So again, keep an open mind about what you see, what you're hearing here. But head down to the fitness center. One of the things you can do when you get on a Royal Caribbean ship is take a tour of the spa and fitness center. You can talk to the staff over there. You can sign up for courses, for, for classes and uh, whatnot. So it's a really good idea on day one to go check it out, get a good sense of it. And then, obviously, plan accordingly and, and all that good stuff. So, um, hopefully, that'll answer your question there because uh, there's a lot to enjoy about it if you're into the whole gym thing. 
I used, I go on, I have a love-hate relationship with the gym. Mostly hate, but occasionally I get really motivated and then I go and then I'm like, oh, you know what? Napping or sleeping, not, not waking up from my sleep overnight, sounds like a really good idea right now. All right, we have time for one more email. It is from Armando, who writes, just want to say I love your show, especially the ones with the guests who share their experience that they share the good and the bad of Royal Caribbean. My wife and I are avid Disney Cruise Line fans. We're platinum and have always gone back to Disney for the service, staterooms, and especially the quality of food. My wife owns a travel agency that focuses primarily on Disney, but as of late, she's been getting a lot of requests for Royal Caribbean, primarily, as you know, well aware of the price difference. We've only been on Royal Caribbean twice. First time was back in 94 for our honeymoon on Monarch of the Seas out of San Juan, Puerto Rico, and then again in 2012 on Freedom of the Seas out of Port Port Canaveral. Both times we had okay experience. Actually, on the Freedom class ship in 2012, before we even left the pier at Port Canaveral, I had a situation with a waiter that would rather, rather not go into details here, but trust me when I say it was really bad. Moving forward to 2019. My wife mentioned to me that because of the shift in her business, we should give Royal Caribbean another shot. I'm glad to say we're sailing on May 18th out of Miami on Symphony of the Seas. I just found out we'll be sa- this will be the third sailing to visit Perfect Day Coco Cay. In planning for our cruise, I've been listening to a bunch of your shows, and I apologize if you answered this previously, but when would the best time be to buy all the add-ons for the cruise planner for our sailing? I've done the math, pulling out my previous three statements from Disney Cruise Line, and for us, the deluxe drink package would be a better deal compared to paying for drinks a la carte if pricing is similar to Disney for drinks. Internet is a must since we're both self-employed and need to stay connected to answer any communications from work and kids they are staying home. I was kind of disappointed that Perfect Day Coke is not included in the cruise fare, but I have to pay for a majority of the experience separately, but I guess that's what it is what it is. Looking forward to a new beginning and experience with Royal. Armando, thanks so much for the email, dude. And first of all, I'm glad to hear you're giving Royal another shot. And you picked Symphony of the Seas. Great ship, dude. You're going to love it. You really are. Uh, in terms of planning, when's the best time to buy all the add-ons? My advice is book it as soon as you know you want to do it, Armando. And the reason is two reasons. Number one, if, uh, if you book it now, you'll pay for it now. That To me, that's an advantage because that allows you to, to budget accordingly, right? So you buy it now. Your cruise is not until May. So that's, you know, we're a couple billing cycles away from that. So you're not getting everything on one billing cycle. So to me, that's worth it. The second reason, probably the more important reason to book it now, Armando, is if the price goes down, let's say you book it today, and then that price for the water park or the drink package goes down tomorrow. No problem. You can cancel and rebook anytime you want with no penalty for those cruise planner purchases. But the real reason you also want to do that is if it goes up, we've already locked in the price. Armando, all too often I hear from first-time cruisers who were tracking the price similar to what you're doing, but then the price goes up. And they get hung up on the fact that they the price went up, and then it's just it, it just it has a sets a poor taste in their mouth. So I feel like that's number one. Um, you also mentioned that Perfect Day Coke is not included in the cruise fare. It is included in the sense that access to the island is included, just like Castaway Cay is for for Disney Cruise Line. Uh, and in the same way that Disney does it, Disney doesn't have a water park on their on their um, on their island in the same way that Royal does with Perfect Day Coco Cay. But there are certain things that have an upgrade, just like Cabanas and Cabanas on. Castaway or an extra charge, same on Royal Caribbean. But the good news is with Royal Caribbean is, you know, to go to the beach, no additional cost. To go to the Oasis Lagoon pool, no additional cost. What you're really paying for is if you want to go to the water park or some of the, obviously, the upgraded, you know, cabanas or chill island things, which, by the way, chill island things won't be available for your sailing anyway, so it's irrelevant. So for the purposes of your sailing, Armando, um, it's really just the water park and maybe some dining venues that may have additional cost, but there's still food that's complimentary, just like Disney. And if you have the drink package, it will work on the island, which Disney has no drink package, so you're still coming out ahead there. So I think you're going to have a really good time, dude. And again, for the pre-cruise purchase, I'd recommend this for everybody. If you know you want to book something, like Armando already knows he wants to get internet, 
already knows he wants to get the drink package, buy it now, lock in that price, and then if there's a price drop, you can always easily go into the cruise planner, cancel what you booked, rebook it under the new price. Even if you use onboard credit, it will instantly replenish, and then obviously you can use it again instantly. And um, it's just, to me, it's a win-win situation. And again, it guards against the price going up. Sometimes they do go up. So again, uh, keep an eye on that. And the last thing, I'm one more thing. If there is a cruise planner sale, which there are usually cruise planner sales about every couple weeks, you know, maybe four to six weeks or so, I will post about it at Royal Caribbean Blog. So thank you for the email, and looking forward to Armando to hearing what you and your wife think about round three. Third time's the charm. They're on Royal. And thanks to everybody for checking out this week's episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. You can always find out plenty more Royal Caribbean information over at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.